Hello, everybody. Another installment of the For the Love of Sports NFL Draft Breakdown. Today, I'm back with Justin Raziel. We're going to be talking about the AFC South. So we get a lot of fun stuff to talk about because of Tampa Brady and Jameis Winston staying in division <laughs> and signing the weirdest contract maybe ever. But it should be a lot of fun, a little bit of information. Hopefully, we share a couple laughs along the way. Isn't that adorable? So, um, yeah, I mean, we can just jump right into it. So, AFC South, so we have the Falcons. They started seven or they finished seven and nine. I want to say they started like 0 and 6 or 0 and 7 or something. They started something really, really weird and terrible. Panthers, five and 11. They were worse in the division. The Saints, 13 and three, lost in the playoffs against the Vikings per usual. And Tampa Bay Buccaneers, seven and nine as well, tied for second in the division. Jameis went 30 for 30. So we're going to keep the Bucks till the end because I think they're the most fun. So let's start mm -hmm. with the Falcons. What going into the draft, Justin, what did you see that the Atlanta Falcons needed on their team? Yeah, I, I mean, they, they were really lacking in depth at a lot of key areas. Um, corner, defensive tackle, interior offensive line. Um, obviously, there, there, there's some spots that they've they've tried to address the past couple seasons throughout the draft, um, but it just kind of hasn't seemed to stuck. Um, obviously, with the with the signing or with the the declining of Tack McKinley's fifth year option, mm -hmm. it opens up a need for pass rusher. Um, obviously, they they signed Dante Fowler Jr., which I mean, as a Jags fan, I've 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 watched him quite a bit over the years and then obviously while when he was those, those last two years in LA mm -hmm. I was kind of keeping a close eye on it as well um good situational pass rusher he's kind of a product of a of a good environment when he's never the number one target on mm -hmm. uh, as the pass rusher um it's always worked out for him um but we'll, we'll I don't know. We'll kind of see how he does as he's the lead guy now um they did address some some of the needs throughout the draft but mm -hmm. he's gonna have to be the guy yeah, yeah. I mean, um, well, Tack McKinley is still there. So this is his fourth year. So he has he has one more year. So he'll he'll be there. But I do think, you know, as you said, it's it's not going to be they I feel like the Falcons are always in need of pass rushing. Like it's weird. Like I feel like every year they take one and every year that guy never pans out. So I don't know who they took in the draft this year. So I guess we'll talk about that, but he's probably not gonna pan out. No offense <laughs> to that guy. Um, just a couple things, as you said, you know, they brought in Dante Fowler, they lost some guys. Um in Vic Beasley, he's gone. Uh, mm -hmm. Campbell's gone. Austin Hooper signed that huge contract with Cleveland. Desmond Trufant got cut, if I'm not mistaken. Adrian Claiborne left as well. So they lost a lot, but they did bring in Todd Gurley. So mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> we were talking about him last time. I mean, what, like, let's get into that a little bit before we go into the draft. Like, sure. what, what does he have? Le like, is he going to be, I mean, he wasn't terrible last year. He just wasn't worth all that money. So, I mean, is he, is he going to be that bad this year? Yes, I think so. I, I think that. Last year, the Rams schemed him in, in in positive situations. So whenever they put him on the field, they knew that he had a high success rate of doing what he needed to do. And I mean, McVay obviously knows him better than than anyone else. So he knows what he needs to do to get him running, get him going, uh, making sure. I mean, maybe they're trying to save his legs for the playoffs. I, we still never really got a, a clear answer out of what actually was going on with him. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I really can't see him having too much left in the tank, but what is he? 26 years old. Like that's, that's, the thing. That, that's younger than us. <laughs> right. And he missed an entire year with that, uh, pretty bad ACL injury, if I'm not mistaken, a few years back while he was at Georgia. So mm -hmm. it's just, it's one of those things. Like, I don't know. I don't, again, I think, yeah, he wasn't bad. I think he still ran for a thousand yards last year, if I'm not mistaken, or came really close to no, it close two, to, yeah. two years ago. Obviously he was like in the running for MVP. So it's just mm -hmm. crazy how quickly, you know, never pay running backs or, you know, give him the fifth year, right? Right. Like as we we're talking about, Tack McKinley got his fifth decline. If they just said, "Hey, we'll give you that fifth year and we'll talk about it," they would have seen like, "Oh my God, no, we can't." Then give him all this money. Now they're hit with all this dead cap, and it's just a whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder and if the Rams ever. Yet. I was gonna say, I nope. wonder if the Rams ever paid him. Uh, Nothing. That's nope. a 
that's a situation. Clay that Matthews might, as well. Uh, they haven't paid him yet either. Ooh, we'll mm. we'll have to see about that one. So that is uh, that's always an interesting one getting into it. Vic Beasley, he had one incredible year, but I feel like that was kind of a, a fluke more than anything. So going into the draft, as you said, they're going to need help at corner. They're going to need help. They're always in need of help at um, defensive line. I think their offensive line, they've drafted three offensive linemen, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. in the last two years of the first round. And I feel like all of them just keep getting hurt. Yeah. So um, going into the draft, I mean, how do you feel about what they did and and I guess in general how they did it. Yeah. So well, there's actually I don't know. I if we start round one, um, I'm not sure if that's how you want to kind of go with this. Yeah, but I, they they reached for a corner in the first round. They they, they took AJ Terrell out of out of Clemson. Um, he's he's a pretty good corner. He was definitely a reach. Like a, a lot of people were saying that maybe end of the first, early second, we'll kind of see where he where he lands. Um, and then the Falcons all of a sudden just jumped on him. And we're not sure if it's because. CJ Henderson got taken at nine to Jacksonville mm-hmm. and that's why they were kind of, they were aiming to, to, to jump up in front of them or trade up with Jacksonville, assuming Jacksonville needed, had more holes in their defense than just corner, um, which they did, but Jaguars went with the premier guy on their board. Um, so I guess maybe once, once CJ Henderson was taken there, the Falcons, I don't know if they panicked or mm-hmm. if this was just something on their minds that they were like, yep, if we're going to stick in this spot, we're going to go with our number three corner on the board, no matter what, we don't give a shit what anyone else thinks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess that, you know, they, this year specifically, especially, I guess is a better word to use is it's, it was a really weird year, obviously with the virtual draft and everything. But I do think, I mean, again, if, if as long, you know, we, you know, I'll call us the media, right? Hello. Mm-hmm. Um, the people in the media may have certain grades on people, but they, you know, you even heard a bunch of GMs come out and say like, most of you people are wrong. Like we yep. don't have anything close to that. So that's always interesting especially because there's no pro days. I mean, Terrell's coming from a great defense, so I don't know how that much helped. Uh, as you put here, he got torched by Jamar Chase, but I feel yeah. like everybody kind of got torched by Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow this year, so it, that but, that is what it is. That was a little, like, I I did I did go back and watch that Clemson-LSU game, and I just watched Jamar Chase versus AJ Terrell, and Terrell did hold his own against the very, I mean, potential top five draft pick next year in, in Jamar Chase. Um it's just that Chase does make everyone look like he made CJ Henderson look like that. He made every single he made um, every single corner that he's faced um, oh, just kind of look Ohio like that. Just, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's, he's he's that kind of a man child that's coming out next year. Um, it's just funny because he's a true sophomore. So. I was gonna say he's a sophomore. He won the uh, I don't know Blitnikoff. What, what Blitnikoff. Thank you. He won that award, which doesn't really happen too often. But as you said, true sophomore winning it, not even redshirt. So uh, he's got room to grow, which is pretty impressive. Um, yeah. Well, so we're with, also we're we're gonna see how he does next year with uh without Joe Burrow and Joe mm-hmm. Brady. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's that is that's the rub. Um, that offense, mm-hmm. I think their whole offensive line is gone. Almost like half the receiving core is gone. Joe Burrow is obviously gone. The offensive coordinator or the passing game coordinator, whatever yeah. the hell we want to call him, defensive coordinator. I don't think that team's going to be very good next year, but I'm going to watch them because I love Coach O. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, we will see what happens. Um, you have a good you have a good question here. You know why when. When teams were calling, they were at 16. So a lot of teams were calling about CD Lamb because he kept dropping. Yeah. Why don't why didn't they trade back? Maybe pick up another, you know, fourth, depending. They were probably going to trade with the Eagles. And I think the Eagles were around 21. So they would have traded back five spots. You probably could have got a third for that. Um yeah. so you know, what what do you think the reason was? Like why did they actually think Terrell was going to go? I mean, the, I think the Raiders at 19 took somebody a little too high as well. So did you think yeah. they were worried about the Raiders? Yes. Yeah. Cause the Raiders only draft people from Clemson. Mm. Um, so I think that was one of their main worries. The other one is the lack of trust between the GMs this year, just because yeah. 
there wasn't that group think between all the scouts from 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 going to pro days, from going to the combine, just all the scouts kind of meeting up and talking. I mean, obviously they were all at the, at the combine, but pro days and and uh, everything else like that. Like they they just they were they weren't meeting up and they weren't discussing things. And whether it was subtle hints about maybe we're lying this way, we're going to say we like mm-hmm. this guy and we we really like this guy. Um, I mean, there there were uh, I forget who it was the past couple of years, but there was a GM who would purposely leave names of draft prospects up on his whiteboard. So when his assistants would walk in, he would they would see the name and they would immediately go to the first media person that they knew or they trust and they would just leak the information out. Well, they didn't have that, that option this year because everyone's mm-hmm. working from home. I love that, man. That is that's sneaky. I mean, I Tedious. wish they, you know, I know we're 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 talking about football, but the Mets do that all the time just because they're stupid <laughs> though. So that's I guess that's just something completely different. That is Mets fandom for you. Um and then so you have another great question here as well with with the signing of Tom Brady to the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. The, they still need cornerback help, right? And I, I'm looking down the board. I mean, they grabbed a safety in the fourth round, so I don't know how much that's going to impact their defense. I mean, is trading essentially true font for AJ Terrell going to be a one for one or or even an upgrade? Well, they they really do lot. They they love Isaiah Oliver, and they um, Dan Quinn even came out and said that he considers him the CP one right now. So he considers him the number one guy. So uh, not saying that he's gonna be the guy that follows and trails other wide receivers mm-hmm. on the number one wide receivers. Um, but he is the guy they're going to kind of look to, 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 to make mm-hmm. the transition yeah. for Terrell a little bit easier as coming into the, the NFL. Well, if that works, I mean, put him on the number two receiver again. I thought he was pretty damn good at Clemson uh, mm-hmm. outside of a couple games against those elite wide receivers. And Hey, that is uh, that's going to happen sometimes. So it is what it is. So moving on to round two, they grab Marlon Davison. Here's our defensive lineman out of Auburn. Mm-hmm. What can you tell me about this guy and why is he going to be a bust? <laughs> I, I don't think he's going to be a bust. Well, he's anything, on the Falcons. We already talked about that. Defensive linemen don't work on the Falcons. Defensive ends don't work on the Falcons. I apologize. I, I, apologize. I, I, I love Marlon Davidson. He was just like this big giant defensive tackle defensive end he, he was kind of like that five technique so he would line up over top of the tackle um and he would just bull rush everybody and you know what it's crazy because he had a good amount of pressures from from the interior mm-hmm. um, which we obviously don't see a lot of anymore plus his versatility so you can kind of scheme him around a little bit the defensive line just kind of mix things up a little bit just put him in the best uh situation to succeed um but how you much, know what how much did he benefit with Derek brown being there uh, though uh, so Derek Brown was obviously more of an, I mean, you kind of know my, my, my feelings of Derek Brown. He, I, I consider him more of a nose tackle. He's going to be a great run defender. He's not, I can't see him surpassing more than eight sacks a year, which mm-hmm. drafting him in the top 10, I, that's kind of absurd. Like if, if we kind of saw him through my eyes, he would have been in the same spot as Ram Marlon Davidson was like the end of the first beginning of the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, because you don't draft non pass rushing defensive yeah. linemen that early. Um, but Davidson did it well. Like he, he, you put him in situations to succeed and he can, he, he can kind of do his thing there. And that's, that's pretty important. Again, they're always in need of pass rushing help. Um, mm-hmm. Moving on to the third round. It looks like they grabbed another center. If I'm not mistaken, they grabbed a center in the first round two years ago when they, gra- I can't remember his name, but is, is this a depth play or is whoever they grabbed at center just that? So they depth? signed Alex Mack. Um, he, he was a free agent when he when he left the Browns, but they did okay. draft. Um, I'm trying to remember his name. James Carpenter, Chris Lindstrom, Lindstrom, mm-hmm. the, the kid out of Boston College. Okay. Um, but I think he played uh, he was center and guard at Boston College. So they were able to move him around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Plus Mac, I mean, he's primarily played center in his NFL career. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll, 
they're, they're obviously trying to build something there. They're trying to build this power run game, which mm-hmm. might end up benefiting Todd Gurley because that's kind of a scheme that he was working, that zone blocking, that, that outside zone blocking run game that that he pretty much perfected while he was with Sean McVay. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, if that kind of works out, they, they kind of stay healthy on the offensive line. They could have a pretty good team. And not to mention, they still have Matt Ryan back there. They still have Julio yeah. Jones. They still have a good wide receiver. Ridley, core. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, they, looking at it, looking at just the numbers, looking at just the players on the depth chart, they have... I mean, good depth along the off, uh, uh, on that offense. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of that defense kind of stepping up and doing their thing, which should be Dan Quinn's specialty. We would hope. I, I think I think it's just the funny statistic. They have a first-round draft pick at literally every single position on their offense, which mm-hmm. like never, ever happens. But 10 of 11, I think. Is it? Because I think uh, they signed LaCroix it it's, it, it's Yes. Yeah, all right. So I guess right? 11 of 12. I, cause he yeah, it's really something count. weird. Yeah, it's <laughs> something weird. But they're, they're essentially going to have like a first-round draft pick at every single position, which is just crazy to think of. But there's also a reason for that. That doesn't mean there was a couple busts mm-hmm. in there. That doesn't mean that there was, uh, you know, some problems. Again, you know, Todd Gurley yep. and his knee. I think that's more of a product that the Rams were like, we can't possibly pay Jared Goff and Todd Gurley and Brandon Cooks. 90% of our cap. That's not how mm-hmm. a football team works. Uh, but it is what it is. And, and that that is how it happens. So I do think, um, you know, with Matt Ryan being sacked 48 times, not a great look. Thankfully, he is, I guess, um, we'll call it available. And he stood the test of all of those sacks. Uh, and he, he just kept it going. So um, with some a couple fourth round picks here, we have Mikhail Walker inside linebacker out of Fresno State and Jalen mm-hmm. Hawkins safety out of Cal, both in the fourth round. I mean, once we're in the fourth round again, we're not, you know, sometimes you can find those guys that are going to start and you'll see a couple drafts, you know, you'll see the Steelers do it all the time. You'll see the Packers do it all the time. Maybe not this year, but in general, um, how did you feel about these two guys uh, going in the fourth round where they did? Yeah. So they were primarily depth signings, um, mainly because their defense that it just keep constantly getting hurt. Um, Keanu Neal keeps going down. Um, he's obviously had a knee injury. He's had a little bit of uh, the injury bug bite him the past couple of years. So that exactly hasn't, uh, it hasn't worked out to the way that he wanted to. And then you mm-hmm. drafted uh, Michael Walker, mainly to back up Deion Jones, who got hurt two years ago, kind of looked a little slow last year coming off of the injury. So they're, they're hoping that he can kind of take a step forward. Hopefully another year passed will help his recovery over this. Um, but with, with Walker, it's kind of nice because you can, you, you can, you can, he's a versatile guy. So you can, you can line him up outside. He's great at edge rushing, um, but he's primarily a depth pick. And you need those, right? I think that that part is pretty important and you have to build depth, especially in places like safety. You have to build depth. I mean, there's play special teams, as you said. So I think that is going to be important. And, you know, hey, maybe one of them, maybe you hit on one of them. What's what's the worst thing that can happen? And then I, I think... It, was this the first punter that got drafted? Sterling, whatever, out of Syracuse? Hoffrichter, <laughs> thank you, yes. Um, I know there was a kicker in the fifth round, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, the, the kid fourth Marshall round. that the, the Patriots took. Yeah, the kid that everyone's piling on the internet, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, but I don't think there choices was, as a young kid. Uh, what are you going to do? I've done some stupid things. That's why we deleted that Twitter account. But um, <laughs> with with that, I mean... You're you're familiar with drafting punters. I mean, how do you feel yeah, about this in the uh, in the seventh round, at least? Yeah, in my expertise of being a Jaguars fan, don't draft punters. Just pick them up for free agency yep. or yeah. undrafted signings. Yeah, um, right. you know what? This kid who's a four-time Ray Guy candidate, which for those of you okay. who don't know, he's the nation's top punter. So he was obviously nominated four times. So he was always involved in, in being one of those top punters, especially at mm-hmm. a school like Syracuse, where you're punting a decent amount. Mm-hmm. Um, but the nice thing about him is he's a directional punter. He's not just that giant leg, which yes, mm-hmm. he does have good hang time. Um, but he's he's able to have the field in any kind of way that that the 
that the team kind of wants, the special team coordinator wants to go. So if he's able to kick it left, kick it right, cough and kick it in the corner, that's mm-hmm. great. Cause then as soon as you do that, uh, it makes the return game that much easier or that much more difficult for mm-hmm. the returning team. Yeah. I think, you know, if a good punter is, it's awesome to have, but it's not a necessity. I mean, we've, I saw it with the giants. Um, Jeff Eagles was awesome. You know yep. what he could do is just so weird how good he was. He didn't kick it very far. I mean, earlier in his career, he did, but he was always just great. It's like, all right, you want it at the 10 yard line? Here you go. You're at the 10 yard line now. So it. it was, uh, it was pretty great. And I think the last time a punter went that this high, er, well, I mean, went, I mean, Michael Dickinson, if I'm not mistaken to Seattle mm-hmm. and he is crazy. Other than that one super weird onside kick he tried to do in the playoff game. Yeah. I think everything he's done has been phenomenal. Um, so again, if, it, if, if this is, I, I feel like it's kind of like a wide receiver in the sense where it's like, it's kind of like icing on a cake. If you have a really good punter. <laughs> Um, I, d- I wouldn't quite put it that far, but I don't know. I feel like there's other things you can do in the seventh round, but maybe they thought there was uh, this was a necessity. So, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, honestly, you're, you're just kind of throwing a, a dart at the dartboard, just hoping mm-hmm. to hit on yeah. somebody. But sometimes when you draft a guy that's more of a special teams player like that, like a kicker or a punter in the seventh round, I mean, it, it kind of just gives them a bit of a vote of confidence. I mean, they, d- they do currently have a kicker on their team right now. They have a, a punter. They have Ryan Allen. Um, so. I mean, maybe that's sending him a message. Maybe his contract's a little bit more than they want to kind of pay. They're kind of looking to go a different way. But I mean, you wouldn't draft somebody if you're not looking to take his position. So exactly, uh, yeah, he's coming in for competition. I was gonna say it might be it's it's competition, but it's also probably pay. You know, mm-hmm. if uh, depending on how long he's been there or whatever, a seventh round pick isn't gonna cost you too much money. So it's definitely just one of those things. So interesting, but. I don't know. I don't totally agree with it. It is what it is, though. I'm not a GM, so maybe that's on me. But Mm -hmm. moving on to the Carolina Panthers had a very, very weird year. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey just got paid, which is Mm -hmm. awesome. They fired, I guess, fired slash mutually agreed that Ron Rivera was going to leave. So they bring in Matt Rule. Then we hear about uh, Joe Brady signing an extension at LSU. And then, whoops, nope, he's coming to the NFL. So he's hanging out with Matt Rule over in in Carolina. They brought in Teddy Bridgewater, I think, three for 60 million. Mm -hmm. Uh, PJ Walker, Robbie Anderson, Trey Boston. I mean, they lost James Bradbury, went to the the Giants. Mm -hmm. Mario Addison went to Chicago. Gerald McCoy, forgot he was there, honestly. Trey Wilson <laughs> was uh, was kind of let go as well. That was weird. And Don Tari Poe went to Dallas as well. Going mm-hmm. into the draft, what did you think were the biggest needs for the Carolina Panthers? I mean, they're, they're just a team in that three building. So they pretty much need talent everywhere along the entire team. Um, they didn't have... I mean, I'm still not fully sold on on Teddy Bridgewater either. So, I mean, you could look stand to upgrade on freaking 22 positions on that team exactly. right now. So they were basically just going best player available. Hopefully that's what they were doing. They were just following their board all the way down. And, I mean, if you look at the draft picks that they made, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a different kind of a mm-hmm. draft that they went because they didn't take a single offensive player. They're the first mm-hmm. team ever to spend all seven picks on defensive players. And I'm not sure if that's clearly just to combat the Tom Brady signing or if they're there, if they, if Matt really just looked at his defense and was like, you know what, this thing is terrible. Let's just completely blow it up and let's just keep adding talent to it. We'll figure out the offense next year. Mm-hmm. We have Christian McCaffrey. He did everything he could last year. If you do that for the next couple of years, because, I mean, he's he's not a traditional running back. He's not getting mm-hmm. beat up the way the other running backs get. And when he is getting tackled, he's not getting – it's not like a hard tackle. Yeah. He's kind of he's, – he's he's getting side tackled a little bit. So he's kind of falling over into the grass. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's – you don't have to worry about his knees. You're not worrying about his ribs. You're not worrying about all these things that we were worrying about when he was coming out mm-hmm. of Stanford. 
because we were a little concerned with his nine bench press reps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he was a little bit smaller. I feel like he got a um, he 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 got a little thick since he's been in Carolina. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, got, yoked. He, he's, he got he's, yoked. He's, yeah, he he definitely <laughs> built himself up a little bit. And I mean, I loved watching him at Stanford, and it's been a lot of fun watching him here in Carolina as well. So yeah, that was the first time uh, a minimum of seven picks were all taken on defense, which is crazy. And I mean, their offensive line. I know they traded. Trey Turner, the other Trey Turner for yep. Russell Okung, if I'm not mistaken. So they Correct. they helped out the left tackle position mm-hmm. a little bit, which is a really weird trade. There's something going on there. I don't do you do you have any insight on why you would trade a guard for a not maybe not premier, but a pretty damn good left well, tackle? Well, it, it was more of the Chargers kind of kind of doing uh, also one thing that we, we tend to forget is Russell Okung is his own agent. So he's kind mm-hmm. of manning the, th- the the ship how he wants to, which I don't fully understand. Like if, did he demand this trade? He just wanted to get out of LA mm-hmm. or did the chargers, they were like, they looked at it like, okay, we're, we're okay with our backup at left tackle. Let's take that premier left guard mm-hmm. and let's just stick him into that offense. And let's just kind of keep that thing going towards uh playoff contention. Um, but ready, let me, let me just run through, um, the, the Panthers offensive line real quick. Let me mm-hmm. show you how bad it is. So you have Russell Okung, pretty solid. John Miller at left guard, Matt Paradis at center, Dennis Daly at right guard, and Taylor Moton at right tackle. Are you kidding me? Like your backup left tackle right now is Greg Little, who is just beyond dog shit. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> I can't believe that he's still in the league, honestly. Um, or granted that he's not the, the starter at the right side. Like he's really just the backup to Russell Okung right now. So little, conf- little, little concerned if I'm a Panthers fan, cause mm-hmm. what's this team doing right now? Like, I mean, I get it everywhere. Matt rule has gone. He's, he's completely taken a, a rebuild and he's built it all the way up. He did what mm-hmm. Tampa did with Baylor. And I mean, why not in Carolina? Yeah. It is weird. I mean, considering how bad their offensive line was, Christian McCaffrey still ran for a thousand yards. I think that's more him than anything, mm-hmm. but it, it is, it is definitely cause for concern. Again, if there's no holes, it's very, I mean, we watched the XFL for a minute and you could see the reason they couldn't run the ball was because there's no holes because the offensive line was just that bad. The offensive yep. line play is that bad. And if you can't make holes, I mean, it's just going to be difficult. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is very good. I think he's very okay. Serviceable. Um, yeah, exactly. He's definitely serviceable. I, I, again, I think the contract was three for 60. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty confident they can get out of that in two years, probably with like a very little hit for the third year. Cause that's pretty much how all contracts are created now. So I don't know that one's, it's still weird to me, but um, you know, as you said, they went straight up defense the entire time. We talked about mm-hmm. Derek Brown a little bit first round, uh, Utah gross Montes. They grabbed him in the second round. I mean, that is two starting pieces to your defensive line right off the bat. I mean, how do yep. you feel about those two guys? And, and and more importantly, how do you actually think they'll fit together? Yeah, I mean, they're also pairing him with Kawan Short. So like mm-hmm. this this defensive line is looking pretty deep right now. And it, it's one that will find the interior pass rush to hit Drew Brees and Tom Brady, which is clearly what they're trying to build. Etor's, mm-hmm. um, he's not polished yet. He's kind of getting there. My, my only problem with him is he doesn't look as aggressive as he should be when he's playing the game. Um, so uh, I don't know. I'm, 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 his story is great. Oh yeah, he has great upside. He looks like a four-three defensive end. So I mean, getting him in the, in the second round where they got him is a great value, um, as long as they can come out, coach him up a little bit and kind of change his mentality, which I know that is a difficult thing to do. So if if, if they find a way to kind of tap into his inner dog, then we'll kind of see if he can become and blossom into this this terrific pass rushing defensive end, which we can obviously see just watching the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope so for their sake. And again, just pairing him with Derek Brown, as you said, Kawan Short, I, that defensive line is going to be pretty, pretty hefty. And again, mm-hmm. you know, Derek Brown, as you were saying, you know, he's more of that run stuffer, but he does possess some pass rushing abilities. And yep. what do we know about Tom Brady and Drew Brees? 
rush them in the middle, right? Yeah, if you can get any pressure on them in the middle, we saw it with Drew Brees last year multiple times, especially in that game against the Vikings, which we'll touch upon in a couple minutes. But if you can rush them in the middle, get that get that pressure from the middle of the pocket, mm-hmm. they kind of weirdly enough just crumble. Um, so I mean, but it's it's so funny how we say that about Tom Brady and Drew Brees. If you rush anyone from the middle, unless yeah. it's like Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson, where they can kind of just slide out. It's so it's a kind of a ridiculous statement, but we're going to run with the narrative because narratives are fun. So, um, you know, building up that defensive line again, you have the you have three. I mean, Hall of Fame. I don't know. Do you think Matt Ryan's a Hall of Famer? Yes, maybe. Yeah. Yes. No, I think I, th- I think so. Especially because he got that MVP. He got to the Super Bowl, and it wasn't his loss of the team blow twenty to three lead. It's all Kyle Shanahan's fault. Well, I mean, and, all and, he had to do and the defense collapsing a little bit, and yeah. not he, the Q, complete one pass and not fumble the ball. I mean, that those, throw and that catch by Julio Jones that was insane, would be forever yeah. solidified as one of the greatest things if they win that game. But uh, because the, they didn't win that game, we all remember the Julian Edelman finger, fingertip catch. Yep. Well, yeah, we all forget this Seattle Seahawks one too. Uh, I think it was Doug Baldwin where the air, the ball's like floating yep. in the air for John five Baldwin. seconds. Was it? Whoa. John okay. Baldwin. Yeah. yeah. Pittsburgh. Like he's on the ground. The ball's just kind of hanging there. He catches it. Marshawn Lynch runs it, doesn't get it in. Then they throw the ball and it's, it's mm. over. So yeah, there's a couple of plays the Patriots uh, won't really allow us to remember anymore. But again, I think building up that defensive line, potentially having three Hall of Fame quarterbacks in that division. Granted, they're all towards the, the end of their career. Drew Brees hasn't won an MVP, but I mean, we could pretty much call him an MVP quarterback, which is weird. If he gets in the Hall of Fame without one, that's going to be really confusing. But it's he's, he grew up with the Tom Brady Payne Manning era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not it's not his fault that he's the Eli Manning up era, but... Yeah, how many MVPs did Eli win? Let's go. Two Super Bowl MVPs. Um, <laughs> so moving on, they they traded up in the second round and yeah. grabbed Jeremy Chin, safety out of Southern Illinois. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know too much about him or about Southern Illinois. Um, what can you tell me about this guy? Sure. Yeah. So so this is the kid that everyone kind of kept saying, if you miss out on Isaiah Simmons in the top ten. This is the kid you're going to want to target in the second round. I just can't believe he fell to the 64th pick, mm-hmm. and the Falcons were able to trade up. And grab, or sorry, the Panthers were able to trade up and grab him where they grabbed him. Um, I mean, I get it. Playing at a small school like Southern Illinois doesn't exactly uh, build a vote of confidence in these these scouts and these coaches. And be like, okay, look at the competition he's going against. Yeah, but this kid's a freaking heat-seeking missile. He's out there and he's laying these kids up. And I get it that he's not playing at a big-time school, but you know what? Put him on the field against these guys, and he's going to hold his own. That's awesome. And he's a safety, right? So yes, he, he's a versatile of, defensive okay. player. So like he, he's able to play like that outside linebacker type, especially because they run a three, four. So they have mm-hmm. those two outside linebackers who, I mean, you're going to kind of use them in blitz packages where if you, if, if the one's a strong side, the other one's a weak side, you can kind of drop the weak side one back into coverage a little bit. Or okay. he can play nickel. He could play safety. He could play the deep. He can play deep part of the center field, or he can come up in the box. So, so um, throw him around a little bit, kind of. Almost like that amoeba that, as you were saying before, that kind of like Isaiah Simmons, just clearly not as nearly as athletic because I don't think anybody on planet Earth might be. So I think that's pretty important. So, yeah, I mean, with the first three picks in the the top two rounds, I mean, it sounds like they have three starters right off the bat. I mean, that Mm -hmm. are going to come in and and make some pretty good impact. Uh, So obviously they traded up in the second round. So it sounds like that was their third round pick that they used uh, to get up there. So now in the fourth round, they had picked Troy Pride, cornerback uh, mm. out of Notre Dame. I don't really know too much about him either. What can you tell me? Yeah, so he, he's a bit of a depth guy, especially because their two starting quarters right now are Dante Jackson and Corn Elder. And I honestly still can't believe that Corn Elder is still a starting corner in this league. Um, so you're, you're taking Troy Pride, who he's athletic. He he just, he just I don't know, he, he lacks confidence in, in his playing. It's kind of hard to explain that without actually watching, but like you can kind of see like that split second where he hesitates when he's doing certain things so the ball's up in the air he doesn't exactly react mm-hmm. to it the way he should react to it or a runner's coming at him and he kind of just like 
freezes like a deer in the headlights for like a split second. And it's, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's kind of one of those weird things. So hopefully Matt Rule and we get it. He's great coach and he seems like mm-hmm. a good person. So you really hope that he can kind of tap into like the mentality of some of these players and get them into kind of buying into everything that he needs them to buy into. That way they kind of stop thinking and start doing. Absolutely. And Matt Rule is going to be there for like eight or nine years, I think mm-hmm. his contract runs for. So good for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully he can be able to to tap into some of these players. So that's another defensive back. So then we have another defensive back. Now, this one's really interesting. Kenny Robinson, mm-hmm. safety out of West Virginia, but really he was a safety out of the XFL and actually had like a pretty good, what, three or four or five. I don't know how many games they ended up playing, but mm-hmm. he used to do pretty damn well in the XFL. And it's this weird, like he could, he had to go to the draft because he wasn't removed far enough from his 18th birthday. I think you have to be three years removed at least from your 18th birthday to be able to right. enter or three years removed from your high school uh, senior year or something. Yes. So it's, it's really weird, but yeah, that's because, how he was then able to go into the draft rather than just be signed uh, directly. Right. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, I think I'm dating myself now, like 12 years ago, I think it was the Oh nine draft where Moby Okoye got drafted. Um, and he was, he graduated high school at 15 and he graduated college, I think at 18. So he was able to play in the, yeah, he was, he was drafted by the Texans in the first round as a 19 year old player. Doesn't sound like the right thing you should do moving forward in today's NFL. Yeah. His career didn't last too long, but you surprise. know what? Something, uh, I don't know. He was it's a little cool bit, stat. Yeah. It's definitely a cool stat, but um, Kenny Robinson, I mean, again, he, he did pretty well in the XFL. I'm surprised. Mm-hmm. What was it just the character concerns that made him wait all the way to the fifth round or was, was there some play play concern as well? Uh, I, I mean, yes and no. I, I mean, there, there was a reason that he got kicked out of West Virginia. Um, so like there, obviously he has a little bit of a, uh, an arrest record. He has a checkered pass. So, I mean, that's not something that you really want to kind of get into or really show mm-hmm. if you're that kind of a player that's trying to get drafted. But you know what? He's got some skill. And especially as a fifth round, late round fl- uh, flyer, why not grab a safety that can potentially start? Because he was just a starting player mm-hmm. against, I mean, other grown men in yep. another football league. It's, it was very confusing that he went that far. Again, I think he had two picks um, on eight pass attempts uh, playing in the XFL. Now, again, it's obviously not one-to-one, but still shows that he's capable um, in some way, shape, or form. Now, in the sixth round, uh, Matt Rule selects Brevion. Brevion. That's even cooler. Uh, defensive <laughs> tackle out of Baylor. Uh, this yeah. is someone that he coached directly for at least the last two or three years, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. How is he? Is he more? I mean, sixth round, I'm assuming you're not grabbing a starter on the defensive line, but right. at what point do you think he could potentially get into that? you know, rotation at least, and then potentially even make it to the starting position. Yeah. And, and I mean, a lot of people kind of saw that Bravion Roy was going to be more of like an undrafted free agent signing. So the fact that Matt rule drafted him knows that he's a culture guy. So you're going to kind of mm-hmm. bring him in. He's already bought into the culture that Matt rule instilled at Baylor. So grabbing him at this point, I mean, why not? You know, he's an athletic defensive tackle as noted because it, it says, and I mean, it was, I was even trying to do research on this before he said, they say he ran a four, four, nine, 40 yard dash at 332 Whoa. pounds at a spring workout, which I mean, I get it. You're kind of a little slow with the, with the, the stopwatches nowadays. If it's not lazy, you really can't say it's confirmed. So, I mean, even if he kind of ran close to that at 332 pounds, that's still pretty freaking impressive. I was going to say four, six at that size is still pretty damn impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right. you know, we'll, just a little slow on the stopwatch. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think definitely, but uh, you're right. I mean, it's, it's surprising if a lot of people thought he was going to go undrafted. He went in the sixth round, but as you said, you know, this is, this is a Matt rule guy, literally uh, he's drafting him directly out of college. And that was another thing that I thought was interesting. He didn't really, I mean, there's not, you know, one thing, 
that we can say other than Kenny Robinson, not too much big 12 uh, mm-hmm. in this draft by him. So what do you think that says about defense in the big 12? I love it. So that is fine. And then in the seventh we round, the last pick, <laughs> but I love every second of it. Uh, Stanley Thomas, Oliver, the third, another cornerback out of FIU. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, this is depth. This is, uh, this is special teams at this point, I'm assuming. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And I mean, you're, you're grabbing a kid who was a wide receiver, only a short time ago, just a couple mm-hmm. years ago. It, it kind of seems like a little bit of a theme of this year's draft where Noah Igbenogany, I, I always butcher, the, the kid from oh, Auburn that got drafted mm-hmm. in the first round. Um, he was a wide receiver that they converted to a corner. Um, and obviously, it panned out for him. But, uh, I mean, Stanley Thomas Oliver the third. we'll, we'll see. He, he's definitely a... Uh, a special teams guy right now and it's just kind of like a i don't know we we'll see what he has we'll mm-hmm. put him on the field strap with the pa- put on the pads and kind of see what he can do and so how do you feel they did in the uh in the draft this year and what do you think some some fan i mean no fantasy insight for the draft picks but how do you feel about some of the players moving forward yeah i, I mean I, it just seems like they're going to be feeding christian mccaffrey the ball as much as they can i get it like teddy bridgewater is an upgrade over kyle allen so that can only help him um, I mean, the fact that they're kind of shopping around DJ Moore is a mm-hmm. little weird because like you signed, um, Robbie, Robbie Anderson. Ro- yeah. Robbie Anderson, who, I mean, they pretty much play the same position. They're the same kind of player. So mm-hmm. why would you get rid of the younger, cheaper, better option? And you bring in the older guy. So I don't know, a, a little bit of a weird one by, by Matt rule, but I mean, clearly he knows who he's looking for. He knows mm-hmm. what he, what kind of culture he wants to build up in Carolina. And I think that's the nice thing about signing. You know, we make fun of that contract. We don't make fun of it. We kind of just sit in awe. We make fun of the Panthers more than anything about that contract because it, it's so long for a coach. You never see that. But mm. maybe that's him saying, all right, well, this is, I'm going to load up and I'm going to do what I want while I'm here. You're mm. not going to fire me in the first two years. You can't because then you have to pay me for another seven or whatever the contract ends up being. So I think that's actually kind of nice. A little reassurance knowing that, okay, you don't. Not that you don't have to win immediately, but you're given that a little bit more of a leash, which is, I mean, maybe that's something, as you said, maybe he can really start to say like, okay, what can we get for DJ Moore? Because I don't think he's going to be here in three years or whatever it is and see if we can find someone that comes in like that. I find that very hard to believe, but I'm also very, uh, because of the, the the skill position that they have around them, why is the why is Teddy Bridgewater the quarterback that you bring in? A guy who has a, I mean, yes, he's very accurate at the ball, but he's very good at those underneath routes. Like he's not very good at throwing. Yeah, the, how far the, is he throwing? The deep exactly. ball. Yeah. So why do you have three speed wide receivers and then Christian McCaffrey? Like, are you just pretty much sending all three of these wide receivers on go routes the entire freaking game? And then you have Christian McCaffrey just catching a five-yard mm-hmm dump pass the entire game i I don't, I don't fully understand it so i wouldn't be surprised if something happened if something does happen to bridgewater if that offense runs a little bit better through pj walker that that is interesting pj walker was fun to watch last year in the in the xfl this this spring um they got rid of kyle allen too i think they traded him to the washington washington but i don't remember what they got it was pretty much nothing fifth. if i'm not it was a fifth, mm, they got that much six, yeah. good for him um wouldn't be surprised. Derek and I didn't talk too much about it, but I wouldn't be surprised if Kyle Allen might win that starting job there. So we'll see what happens. So yeah. um, overall, I think, again, you know, Matt Rule had an interesting draft and, and we'll see what happens moving forward. I don't think, I think they are looking more a couple years down the road as well. In two mm-hmm. years, Drew Brees and Tom Brady most likely will not be there anymore. Yeah. So that's when, you know, Matt Ryan will definitely be on the decline by then if he's not, if you don't think he is already. And we'll, uh, we'll see. Maybe that's when the Panthers are able to kind of leap to use a cat term. Hope Brent is yeah. watching. Sure. Um, moving on <laughs> to the New Orleans Saints. They were th- 13 and three. Uh, lost a heartbreaker, as we said, to the Minnesota Vikings in the playoffs. It was a push off. I don't think it was enough to call it, though. So it is what it is. Weird that it was at home and they didn't call it. Mm-hmm. Drew Brees did not look great in that game uh, at all. 
again, he got rushed up the middle a lot. I, you know, they, they pointed it out on the broadcast and it, they, Troy and Troy and Joe, uh, we're on first name basis. Now I think they did a great job <laughs> at explaining it. Taysom Hill was the better quarterback, uh, in that game, which is pretty funny. Uh, he's coming back. It's a really, really weird contract. The first year's for like 4 million. The second year is for like 16 million or something, which mm-hmm. there's no way in how they're actually going to pay him that. So I'm really curious what that's all about. Manuel Sanders, they brought in Malcolm Jenkins. They brought in on a one, both of them are on one year flyers. If I'm not mistaken, Maybe uh, Sanders. Jenkins is three years. Malcolm Jenkins got three years, three years, uh, 24 million. I believe I think it was 8 million a year. I mean, I thought he was great on the Eagles, but there's no shot. They pay him all that money, but it is what it is. Um, and then, yeah, they bring in Jameis Winston on a one year, $1.1 <laughs> million deal. Uh, to for him to go to quarterback school, I think he called it. Um, yeah. I think it's just to let his LASIK surgery set in, so he can see if uh, he can actually see anything moving forward. But they did lose Teddy Bridgewater, so I think that's actually an upgrade there to Jameis. Lost Von Bell, AJ Klein, Eli Apple sucks, so it doesn't matter. Manti <laughs> Teo also wasn't that great, so it doesn't really matter. Um, it's sign though. It's something. There, it's the reason why. But um, mm-hmm. and I also really like the, your little note here. Taysom Hill is now listed as a tight end slash flex player in ESPN fantasy football. So that's something fun we might get to talk about in a little bit. Yes. But they had a very weird draft. They mm-hmm. had three picks in the first three rounds, and then they didn't have anything until they traded back into the seventh round to grab Tommy Stevens, who yeah. I watched a little bit at Penn State. He sucks, so I don't really know <laughs> why they did that. But hey, Sean Payton knows more than I do. How did you feel about those first three picks, though? um in new orleans yeah so i mean the reason they only had those first three picks in the first three rounds is because they they trade their fourth fifth sixth and seventh round picks to get adam troutman out of david at uh, dayton in the third mm-hmm. round um so they, they, they trade that all, much for him well so so think of it this way that that roster is as deep if not mm-hmm. the deepest roster on the entire team so drafting guys in the fourth fifth sixth and seventh round those guys probably aren't going to make it so why bother drafting those guys when you know mm-hmm. that they're not going to make an impact on your team so when they did draft, when they did trade all those guys up, they got three players that they had ranked their top forty players. So they 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 found the guys that they won. They got them at spots they did not think was even possible. Mm-hmm. Um, even starting with Cesar Ruiz, who was, was it, I mean, they don't need offensive line, but you know what? They're creating competition. It basically put uh, Larry Warford's right guard job on on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did just draft Eric McCoy out of out of. Uh, I forget where McCoy went last year, but he was a relatively early pick. So you grabbed him and you're basically just creating this. I mean, you're just adding, you're, mm-hmm. you're just making it even deeper than what it was last year. Yeah. And I think again, I'm, you know how I feel about the trenches you win in the mm-hmm. trenches. Um, you know, as much as I hate Dave Gettleman, I actually think he's right on that. Maybe not right on all the picks, but he's right mm-hmm. on what he's doing and building yeah, up yeah. an offensive and defensive line. I think, that's the best way to do it. Now, I don't know enough about the Saints offensive line to say if they needed a center or if, I mean, Max Unger is still not there, is he? There's no way. Uh, no. Feels Eric, like it's way Eric, too so basically, you have Taron Armstead on the left. You have Andres Pete, the left guard, who they just paid. Eric McCoy um, at center. Ruiz already has slotted in to be the right guard. And you have Ryan Ramchak at the right tackle. So basically, mm-hmm. you have the best offensive line in the entire league. And again, you know, someone gets hurt. That's just kind of how the NFL mm-hmm. works. So if you're going to have another guy who can slide right in and be who is starter quality, I think, again, you're completely right. You, They were looking for minor. They were looking for major upgrades in minor places. And mm-hmm. I think they definitely are going to be able to do that. And I think, they, I mean, they were, in my opinion, the best team in the NFC last year. That, that weird San Francisco 49ers Saints game was awesome. Yeah. But I think the Saints win that game the second time. Honestly, I think it might come down to just drew Brees. you know we thought him being hurt for a couple games and letting teddy bridgewater because two years ago it was oh he was tired you know he didn't have anything on the ball anymore then this mm-hmm. year it was oh okay well actually now he just kind of sucked in that last game you gave him oh. six weeks off but he was kind of bad in that last game against minnesota 
Um, and I mean, they, I think they needed wide receiver more than anything. So, I mean, they brought mm-hmm. in Emmanuel Sanders, so we'll see. He's definitely not washed up, but he's definitely not who he used to be. Um, but he's able, and, he's able to like use his own variety to, to try and find ways to get open. Trump will find different ways to scheme him to, to uh, get him the ball, which absolutely. is all that Michael Thomas needs. Michael Thomas just needs somebody who's somewhat competent to be a wide receiver too. And Emmanuel Sanders can do that. And then some, and I think I, I still think they could have got somebody else, um, mm-hmm. but they did bring in Adam Troutman. Not going to yeah. lie. I don't know too much about anybody from Dayton. I think it's what you, the first NFL team to draft a player out of Dayton since 1977. There's a reason yeah. for that. So we're going to yeah. start there, but um, you know, let's, let's start with him. Then we'll go back to Zach Braun. How, okay. how do you think he fits into the offense? And I mean, can he be a legitimate threat when it comes to playing in the NFL? You know, it's crazy. The draft people as a whole, they're so bad at valuing tight ends. We we can never find like uh, there's a reason that George Kittle lasted to the fifth round, and everyone uh, I think he pulled up his own scouting. Some someone wrote like a little scouting report about him that he uh, put up during the draft, saying that they only viewed him as a fullback. It's like, are you really like I want to know the person that wrote that, and I want <laughs> I want to well, see came, what kind of tape he, he came out watching. of Iowa, right? I, yes, he did. But so there still, was no quarterback play in Iowa. But yeah, I, I understand. Yeah. I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean Adam Trauman, another guy. Uh, big, versatile, athletic tight end who, I mean, we'll see. He's probably not going to be putting his hand in the dirt too much to be a traditional tight end. He's gonna be, they're going to be splitting him out wide a little bit, trying to using him like Rob Gronkowski was with the Patriots, um, just splitting him out there and just finding different ways to throw him the ball. So uh, especially being a, I don't know, quote unquote, big wide receiver, mm-hmm. it's a position that'll suit him. Yeah, I think, you know, hey, we'll see. Um, what about, and I know I, I, I love to ask this question, fantasy perspective. I mean, yep. now with, um, you know, Michael Thomas is still going to be, I'm assuming wide receiver number one, especially because we don't really know what DeAndre Hopkins is going to do out in Arizona. I think he's going to be great, but I don't think he's going to be what he, I mean, I don't think he's going to be Michael Thomas. I think think his DeAndre Hopkins is, upside could be higher, but his floor is lower just because there's, there's, there's too many uh, mouths to feed, so to speak with Arizona now. And especially with Kyle Murray, like Mm -hmm. he's really only kind of throwing the ball 30 times a game because instead of throwing the ball away or kind of trying to make Mm -hmm. something fit into like a a tight coverage, he'll just take off and run, which other quarterbacks aren't doing. Yeah. So instead of throwing those extra five passes, which with an extra potential for a couple Mm -hmm. extra catches for him, you're just not seeing that for for Hopkins. And you make a great point. I mean, Michael Thomas's floor is what, like seven catches for 70 yards. Oh yeah. It's wonderful. No, it's, it's it's literally 90 yards. He's he's guaranteed. almost guaranteed 90, 90 freaking yards every single game. And I mean, if you look at it like that, I mean, I think, yeah, his worst game last year was the game against Minnesota, if I'm not mistaken, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But then I think he caught like four more balls, like just that final drive yeah, or whatever. It's like, oh, wait, it. no, now he's yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, from a PPR perspective, he is an absolute monster because, again, it's 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 not like three catches for 90 yards. It's nine catches for 90 yards at mm-hmm. a minimum. So the dude's always putting up double digit, uh, low teens, high teens as a floor again, which I think yep. is incredible. And he catches a bunch of touchdowns too. So I think he's great, but how like Adam Troutman again, now with Emmanuel Sanders coming in, um, who was their tight end? La- they have like nobody really at tight end. Uh, they, they have the other Hill. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. They have nobody like really at tight end. So how do you, how Josh do you Hill, think Josh, they, they have Jared cook still? So it's not oh, like yeah, they're, okay. they're completely mm-hmm. void of a, of a tight end, but I don't know my, my philosophy for fantasy. I've never taken a rookie tight end. Like I, mm-hmm. yes, TJ Hawkinson was uh, a top 10 pick last year with Detroit and, and, and a, in a spot where they needed another receiving option. He just didn't pan out his mm-hmm. first year. I mean, rarely do rookie tight ends ever pan out. No offense. The only reason that he kind of had a, a semi good run at the end of his season was because drew lock was kind of playing out of his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise no offense didn't do anything for like those first like eight games, I think. Yeah. He, so it, 
I mean, like, it, it's just kind of hard just taking those rookie tight ends. I don't really bank on them too much, but it's that second year jump where you're going to see Noah Fant, you're going to see TJ Hawkinson. They might, well, Fant will obviously be drafted within the first, I don't know, eight, nine rounds or so. Uh, Hawkinson will probably go a little bit later than that, but you could definitely see them doing much better than their average draft position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens there. I think just adding an extra viable option mm-hmm. again is just going to help Michael Thomas more, you know, as weird as it sounds and just kind of see what that can happen. Cause I think he's incredible and I want to watch him continue to catch balls, even though, and I have some good information. Um, mm. he's apparently a huge dickhead. So that's, that's not great, but it, you know, it is what it is insider information, but you know, it is what it is. Not my words, somebody else's. So we'll, we'll move on from there. So going back to quote unquote, <laughs> uh, maybe, I don't know. I'll have to check my text messages. We'll see what happens there. Um, moving back a little bit higher into the, uh, th- third round which is very surprising as well zach braun Mm -hmm. um edge out of wisconsin Mm -hmm. a lot of people had him projected in the the very late first round i saw a lot of had people had him going to um baltimore with that 20 whatever 28 29th pick why the heck i know he had a flag drug test but why the heck did he fall to the third round? that was definitely one of them and granted when a player fails a drug test at the combine they're either stupid or they did something that uh, they did something that they, they shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And that's why the reason I, I I don't even know if it's that he failed it. I think it's that it, it was a diluted sample that showed up, which means he tried to take one of those cleansing yeah. things to try and flush out whatever was in his system because he knew he, he messed up. But mm-hmm. at least he tried that and didn't just show up to the combine yeah. kind of high and then just pissed into a cup and then just immediately, I don't know, flagged it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I, I don't, I'll never understand why, like, just don't smoke don't do anything for two months prior to the combine like, you know you're going to get drugs drug tested at the combine just don't do anything so whenever a player does that it's immediately a red flag because it's like okay, okay you're kind of questioning their intelligence or you're questioning their judgment so mm-hmm. one of the two and either you don't really want to have to question and it's a good point but then you have makai becton if i'm not mistaken had the exact same thing you mm-hmm. know just a flag drug test so why do you think someone like makai becton still goes in the top 15 the top 13 if i'm not mistaken whatever it ended up being versus someone like zach braun or zach bond dropping all the way to the third round mm-hmm. um well <laughs> tale two stories beckton's combine was historical bonds was one to be forgotten because beckton mm-hmm. was like you, you showed up six foot seven 365 pounds runs a 4840 which i mean i ran a 475 in high school so that basically means that he could catch me if we're if we if he's chasing me he could catch me and i, I mean i'm sure I, I actually probably know that he's in much better physical condition than i am right now so um he could definitely do that but zach bond Becton ran faster than Bond did. Bond ran like a 4.89 40-yard dash, I believe. So if, I mean, it's kind of a crazy stat that you're kind of looking at, like, okay, so you show up, you fail a drug test, you don't show up at, at your combine, you're kind of hoping on your pro day, but you don't get a chance at your pro day, so you can't increase his stock. So he was yeah. kind of, he was, he was behind the eight ball right away. It is unfortunate, but I think, I mean, how, how from an actual playing standpoint, how do you think he's going to fit into that defense? Uh, I mm-hmm. mean, he had a bunch of sacks last year, so I think he can he can be fun in that defense. I mean, how how do you see him him panning out? At yep. least his and, first year. Yeah, and they're another team that runs a that runs a three four, or actually, no, sorry, they they were on four three, but they they kind of scheme it up a little bit, so they're they're kind of moving their players around, mm-hmm. and it's just another chess piece that you can kind of just add, especially because Marcus Davenport hasn't really shown a whole lot. If anything, Trey Hendrick Hendrickson has shown more than Marcus Davenport has. And the Saints gave up an extra first round pick to trade up for Davenport. So mm-hmm. I think this is one of more of those, uh, I don't want to say a fail safe, but it, it was just something that they, they can do to either push Davenport or someone that you, they can just kind of throw in there and just be like, okay, you can rush the passer, but you can also drop back into coverage a little mm-hmm. bit. So scheme versatility is, is key with those teams that are already deep. 
Exactly. They're already deep. And again, you know, as we were talking about it before, offensive and defensive line, he's pass rushing. So I'm going to consider him, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a defensive lineman for that sake. And if you can get to the quarterback, you're going to have better chances at winning the game. Again, you have Matt Ryan, you have Tom Brady now in the division, Teddy Bridgewater. We'll see what happens. But I mean, you're going up against two potential Hall of Famers, MVPs, four times, four times a year at a minimum. Um, so mm-hmm. I think, again, if you can add any extra pressure on the line, it's just going to make your life easier. And again, as you said, they have one of the most stacked, like solidified rosters in the league, places that you want to improve just because, or at least have depth offensive line and defensive line. So I think mm-hmm. that that part is pretty important. Uh, and then, I mean, they picked Tommy Stevens. They traded back into the seventh round, I think yeah. with the Vikings, if I'm not mistaken, to take Tommy Stevens. He sucks. So, I mean, I don't know what the heck this kind of pick is. And I assume at this point, they already kind of knew they were going to sign Jameis Winston. I don't think that came together in two days. Mm-hmm. Do you have any idea why the heck they wanted to do this? Yeah. So Tommy Stevens is going to, he most likely won't make the team, but they love his upside because they see him as a, as a Taysom Hill replacement. So when mm-hmm. Taysom Hill's contract, either it runs out or if they end up cutting him just to, uh, to save some cap after next season or whenever that's viable for them, they're able to do that. But Tommy Stevens is that Taysom Hill type where he's that, that guy that you can use him in the exact same role. He can play gunner on punt. He can be kickoff. Uh, he can be on the kickoff. Um, so he can kind of do like a whole bunch of things that Tom, that, that Taysom Hill was doing, but at a much cheaper cost. Mm-hmm. And I think their, their thought process is bring him in early. Let's see if we do see what we saw in him, like what we saw in Taysom Hill. And worst case, you bring him on the practice squad. Perfect mm-hmm. practice squad quarterback can come in. You he can he can. I mean, uh, he can run around a little bit depending on who you're playing against. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then he and then he can throw the deep ball if you need him to throw the deep ball, depending mm-hmm. on what kind of offense they're they're going to be facing that week. So it, it, it's a nice little pickup for them. Just I don't know. It, it's it's Sean Payton playing chess and everyone else playing checkers. I mean, maybe I don't know. It also sounds like he might just be overthinking it. Why they? they it was like the two hundred and thirty something pick. I don't yeah. know if you wrote it down, but like, what, did did he was he that afraid someone was going to trade up for a replacement to his third string quarterback? I, again, I think he kind of almost overthinking it just a little too much. He was more afraid that he was going to go to a quarterback needy team. And then all of a sudden he kind of catches with a team and then doesn't but leave. But he sucks. Like he's not good. He couldn't even start at Mississippi State in his grad transfer gear. He he got beat out uh, in Penn State. I can't even remember the Penn State quarterback's name off the top of my head. So apologies to him. But he's just not good though. That's the thing that like again, they, it's like Jalen Hurts. He's not they, good. I don't. They understand. might not be using him as a quarterback. They might be using him strictly as a tight end or wide receiver or even just special teams depth. But it's a guy that you can use and you could be versatile with. It's something. I mean, again. Sean Payton is significantly smarter than I am. So I'm not, you know, going to, going to question his ability. I just think again, like he, I don't know. I feel like they could have, whatever, they could have got something else. They could have <laughs> traded for a wide receiver in the seventh round that yeah. actually would have made an impact on this year, especially considering they still needed wide receiver depth. And all they did was bring, I mean, all they did, they brought in Emmanuel Sanders. So it's not like a, Oh, that sucks. But at the yeah. same time, it, there were still some guys in the seventh round that they could have absolutely grabbed and yeah. you know, potentially done something with. And I, I would still be concerned because the man Sanders doesn't I mean, as he's gotten older, he's, he's had a little bit of an injury yeah. history. So you, you do want to try and add depth behind him. So, I mean, did, did, did Jimmy G overthrow Emmanuel Sanders or was Emmanuel Sanders just too slow? We'll uh, never really no, know the answer to that question. Jimmy G's we'll fault. never know the answer to that question. So how do you think um, it shakes out for the saints next year in terms of, 
you know, what, what their offense looks like, what their defense looks mm-hmm. like. And if they actually break through in the playoffs and make it to the NFC championship game. I mean, it's, it's Super Bowl or bust. I mean, and they have, they have the roster to do it. It's going to be a matter of Drew Brees. As long as his body can handle everything, then he, I mean, he's going to have to be the guy. He's going to have to find a way to will him to victory because it's almost already looking like Alvin Kamara is starting to slow down. They did. He did come out and say that he was playing at like seventy five percent last year. So I'm not yeah, entirely hurt, sure. Yeah, yeah we, and we never really knew what was going on, nor will we ever, because the Saints are very good at keeping everything internal. Um, Except for but, those priest emails, that was they didn't keep that uh, very right, internal. Well, but we'll, we'll we'll leave that anyway. Yeah, yeah we'll we'll see. I don't know. Kamara, I definitely I, I grafted him in in a league last year. He was a little underwhelming, but mm-hmm. he kicked it up towards the end of the year because I guess he started to get a little healthy. Latavius and, Murray's still there, if I'm not mistaken. So. Yes, and it's also Alvin Kamara's contract year too. Yes, so yes, he needs the ball out this season. Let's so if you are looking to draft somebody in the top ten, he's probably one of the the guys you want to go after because he has to play well to get paid, or else he's going to be kind of grouped into that that same stigma as all the other running backs. Mm-hmm. Melvin, he's, don't Melvin Gordon. Yep, Melvin Gordon could have just taken a $13 million a year contract with the Chargers instead decided to take two for 16. Le'Veon Bell did the same thing. Yep. Well, he got at least some guaranteed money. Yeah, but he lost out on $10, $12 million for not not playing for an entire season. So It is what it is. And now the Jets have to pay it. That's why he fired his agent too. And I'm pretty sure it was Rock Nation. Well, there, that's a whole, again, that's another conversation as well. Um, And then the last question, we got to talk about it. Jameis Winston. I mean, Drew Brees, essentially the last two or three years, he he gets hurt. It's just, Mm -hmm. he's so old, he's going to get hurt. If if Jameis Winston steps in, I mean, is it, are are we just playing, is Sean Payton just going to be like, all right, throw it 50 times a game. We'll just see what the hell happens. Like what, what do they do if Jameis has to come in for like a four or five game stretch? The nice thing with Jameis Winston is that he he I mean he's a pocket passer, so you don't have to change the playbook so much between him and Drew Brees. Whereas with with last year, if you're trying to find a different way to have Taysom Hill come in and play quarterback, you're creating a totally different playbook for mm-hmm. him. So with Jameis, you can come in just kind of do the same thing that Drew Brees was doing, just to kind of drop back. You have two great backs you can hand the ball off to. You have a very good offensive line as opposed to what they had at Tampa Bay. And as wide receivers, I mean, granted, you'd rather have Tampa Bay's wide receiver core, but Michael Thomas is a pretty freaking good wide receiver you can throw to. So he's not going to be too worried about that. Plus, I mean, Sean Payton's a better offensive coordinator Mm -hmm. than Bruce Arians slash Byron Leftwich is. So he'll he'll find the ways to get Jameis comfortable Mm -hmm. in an offense, and that'll get him, I don't know, doing what he should be doing. I'm not rooting for anyone to get hurt, but I really do want to see Jameis Winston start like three or four games just because, again, like he, yes, he threw a lot of interceptions. And yes, that's a reason why he needed to throw 30 something touchdowns and why he had to throw for over 5,000 yards. But I mean, he was the number one pick for a reason. I think mm-hmm. the talent is there. I think he's just crazy and doesn't like this, I think will be a nice kind of year off. And this is also the other thing. Even if he doesn't resign with the Saints, he's probably going to sign somewhere for something like a Teddy Bridgewater mm-hmm. deal. So then what happens? The Saints just get a third round pick. Yep. That's it. That's all that happens. They're going to get one for Teddy, most likely third or fourth. Then they're going to get one for Jameis potentially. And all they did was bring a guy in. I mean, yep. it's, it's pay him a million dollars. 1.1 million incentives for 3.6 million. Is it that much? So it's yeah. essentially like, Hey, if you play and I don't know what the incentives are. I don't know if you looked into it, uh, either, but make the probably Pro nothing Bowl, crazy. Make the pro bowl playoffs, super bowl victory. Wow. But I don't think okay. he needs to be the starting quarterback for any of those. So he, I mean, the very oh, good chance shit. that he he makes more than 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 that one point one million. Mm-hmm. But if he ends up starting, then there's there's a lot of incentives for him to make more money. I love it. I want to see it. But again, I don't. I mean, I'm not rooting for Drew Brees to get hurt, but I definitely do want to see it. So moving also, on. I, I, wait, I, I do want to say I think that LASIK thing is going to be key for him because he's already saying that yeah. his his depth perception from a distance has already increased. Like how? Like you idiot. How You're how idiot. have you not already changed? Like how how did you not address this years ago? How did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers not, not notice that you're squinting at the scoreboard every single that, time? 
that's the scariest part to me. He's a 23, 24 year old kid. Okay. I was dumb at 23 and 24. I'm dumb now at 28. So it is what it is. But the people around you, your agent, your business manager, uh, your mm -hmm. parents, they don't see you squinting. Your, I mean, there's gifts on the internet. That's what I sent out with the yeah. tweet. It's just a gif of him squinting because that's all he did for his entire career. And nobody was just like, Hey man, like let's try some like rec specs or something just mm -hmm. to see. Like, let's just try it in practice one day. No one came up with that idea. Now, maybe they did, and maybe he was vehemently against it. I don't know. I don't know if there's a story out there like that. But even just to try it, man, it's ridiculous mm -hmm. that no one decided to do anything like that. But he finally had it done. And now watch. He's not going to throw another interception for the rest of his life. I think that would be a, one yeah, that's what, his fault, at least, right? What What if that was the key to fixing everything? Right. For him? Or, or at least throwing an interception to a linebacker that is clearly just standing right in front of him. He doesn't do uh, that anymore. I think that would cut down a lot of them, too. One more stat. Jameis Winston has thrown more completed passes to to Saints players than Taysom Hill has, love which it. I mean, I love stats. Everybody, everybody <laughs> thinks Taysom Hill should be a quarterback, and we all kind of know he should not. Um, yeah. But it's a fun narrative to play with, so it mm -hmm. is what it is. But moving on to the most interesting team, hands down, in the division, we have the Tampa Bay Tampa Buccaneers, the Tampa Brady's, whatever the hell we want to call them. They finished seven and nine last year. Jameis went for thirty and thirty for thirty. 30 and 30, whatever you want to say, which is just incredible. First time that's ever done, as I said, over 5,000 yards. He's out the door. Um, they obviously added Tom. <laughs> that one wasn't even on purpose. Uh, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski. They brought in uh, and Dominican Sue. J JPP's back, Sha Shaq Barrett's on a franchise tag, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. uh, they did lose, as we said, Jameis Winston. They brought in our lost Carl Nassib, as well as Brashad Perriman, but that was embarrassment of riches at that point. So, mm -hmm. I mean, moving, going into the draft, I mean, offensive line, we all kind of knew was the biggest, but outside of offensive line, what else did the team need? Uh, well, I still think they, they need a running back. And I, I don't even think that they addressed it by selecting the correct running back. And granted, the guy that I really thought they were trying to key in on was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who the Chiefs up took with a 30-second pick. So the Buccaneers mm -hmm. had no shot taking him because they weren't going to trade back into the first round to grab a running back. So I get it. You can find a running back almost anywhere nowadays. So hopefully the, the two that they drafted maybe pans out because I still don't think Ronald Jones is a guy. I didn't think Ronald Jones was good at USC. And I don't mm -hmm. think he's – I think he goes in on first contact. He's not going to be a guy that Tom Brady's going to like, and he's terrible in pass protection. So why is Tom Brady going to want this guy in the field if he can't do anything right? It's, I mean, what about Peyton Barber? Does he do any of those things correctly? No, not at okay. all. And yeah, I don't I, even, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, Peyton Barber's not on the team anymore. They, they, they let oh. him go in free agency. So he's, he's not even there. They have, um, oh, do I always butchered the guy's name? It's, uh, Dare Agumbalwale. Oh, okay. One yeah, day I'll learn how to pronounce mm -hmm. it. But yeah. I mean, they, they, they drafted Keishon Vaughn. So hopefully he comes in and he overtakes Ronald Jones right away just because I don't think he's a very good running back. We'll see. I mean, running backs are weird. You know, Alvin Kamara was in the third round, if I'm not mistaken. So it's definitely something. So, I mean, they, they grabbed a running back um, mm -hmm. out of Vanderbilt. So it's SEC, but it's really not the SEC. It's Vanderbilt. It's a little yeah. different. Um, so first round, Tristan Wirfs just fell so far. I mean, so many people had him. Some people had him going second overall to the Detroit or the Washington Redskins. And that yeah. person was very wrong because he yeah. was Derek. Derek. But other than that, I mean, a lot of people had him going fourth overall to the Giants. If not there, they had him going 10th to the Bucks. If not there, they had him going to the Jets at 11, I think. Mm -hmm. He just kept dropping. He fell all the way to 13 where the 49ers were picking. They swapped picks with the 49ers. They gave him something like a fourth or a fifth. Mm -hmm. How do you think he fits and, and does he pretty much just start immediately at left tackle? Yeah, I mean, he's going to have he's going to have to start immediately left tackle because they don't really have anyone else that's behind him. Um, I mean, one of the reasons he did fall is I, I know Derek was talking about it yesterday on the podcast that his, his 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 mechanics are a little off. 
I think it was more of that the the media saw him as a higher off uh, as a better offensive tackle than some of the other true offensive mm-hmm. tackles because this guy was I don't know he was he was a he was a combine darling <laughs> yeah he was, he was, he was a combine only like he came in blew up the combine did extremely well so I don't know I, I I do think that he has the potential to be a very good left tackle do I think he's gonna be otherworldly like some other people do no I don't think so but you know what I think he has the talent to be there and Tom Brady will be one of the guys that can kind of coach him up and be like you're watching my blind side you better hold your block and I think I think again with Tom Brady there now you don't have to hold the block nearly as long as you did with James Winston. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're only holding for 2.5 seconds. Exactly. He's going to get the ball. He's going to get the ball out of his hands. And yeah, I mean, you have Mike Evans. Yeah. You have Chris Godwin. So you do want to throw the ball deep, but I think Bruce Arians is smart enough to say, I want to win. Mm-hmm. We didn't do much of that in the last couple of years of James Winston throwing the ball deep. Let's see what happens. So I am curious to see what does happen there. I think again, I mean, you have OJ Howard, you have Gronk now, Cameron Brate's still on the team. I mean, if that's not just, you can't st- you can't have all six of them on the field at once. That's just mm-hmm. not technically how football works, but it's it's going to be interesting, and I'm definitely excited. And thank you, Sia. Yes, uh, my friend Sia, he was really excited about Tristan Wirfs, but unfortunately he had the under eight and a half, Sia. I will never let you live that down. <laughs> and he went a little bit further than that, if I'm not mistaken, at 13. So that was very interesting. So then out of Minnesota, Antoine Winfield. Um, mm-hmm. We've heard that name once or twice before, if I'm not mistaken, but that's because it was his pops. Yeah. Um, how how did you feel about him? And uh, I mean, was this a pick of need? Was this just he he dropped there and he was too good to to pass up? How do you feel about him fitting into that Bucks defense? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely loved him. And they did need a free safety just because Justin Evans has 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 been injured. He's 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 had this foot injury that's kind of lingered around the last couple of seasons. So not exactly a, a vote of confidence in him. But you know what? Sometimes when you have Tom Brady, you have a two-year window. You just need to bring in somebody mm-hmm. that that you know is going to come in. But I mean, the problem is, is you're drafting Antoine Winfield Jr., who has a little bit of an injury, a checkered past history, also. So you're bringing him in, and you're kind of hoping that one of them stays healthy for the entire season. But mm-hmm. his talent is is extraordinary. He's he's so good with the ball in the air. His instincts are fantastic. He's a little slow in coverage, but you know what? It kind of makes up for it with those instincts. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'll be honest, I only really watched like two Minnesota games. Mm-hmm. I think it was the Penn State game where they won pretty well. And I think he even had a pick, if I'm not mistaken, yep. in that game, even two maybe. Um, and then uh, I can't remember the other game I watched, but they got just brutally wow. hammered. I, yeah, yeah it, it was bad. So it, it's an interesting, I mean, you know, I was all for PJ Fleck and I think that's great, but we we will see. I mean, again, you know, his dad played in the NFL for a very long time. So if he can be half the player, I think everyone would be relatively happy about that. And again, I, I think, you know, one thing everybody says about the Bucks defense, and I think we'll, we'll be able to talk about this a little bit. The, the buck, everyone thought some people think the Bucks defense is terrible. Some people think it's okay. I think mm. if you take away 18 interceptions yeah. <laughs> and not constantly being down or, or not constantly having to can always continuously backpedal, like I think that's just going to help them significantly. If you can take that amount of time out, They'll just be fresher in all these games. I mean, think about that. Take literally one possession away every single game. You're going to let up less points. That's literally just how math works. So I think that's one thing. How do you think the defense will be now that instead of Jameis Winston just throwing a million interceptions, you're going to actually have Tom Brady, a competent quarterback there who can actually create drives and actually go down the field and score points and do what you need to do to have a, you know, a successful team. So two things, they're going to be fresh. They're, 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 they're going to find out quickly that their legs are going to be much fresher towards the end of the season because Jameis is constantly ruining these drives where he's getting the ball and then immediately throwing an interception after the other opposing offense had already driven down all the mm-hmm. down the field and then scored. So And then they have to send the defense right back out there. And 
that's never going to work out. You're, you're never going to have a chance to um, succeed as a defense when that's constantly happening. So, I mean, 30 interceptions is crazy, not including the, 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 the fumbles that he had mm-hmm. as well. Um, so, granted, Tom Brady's going to come in, I don't know what seven interceptions is his, is his ceiling. Like Let's it's, call it's it 10. <laughs> yeah, even still, that's 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 a that's two thirds less than what that than what Jameis kind of messed up with last year. So, um, yeah, I I think that it, it it'll work out for that that defense a, a lot more. I'm I'm I mean, I guess I'm the the outlier, but I'm actually kind of excited to see what Tom Brady's going to look like just in a uniform first off. But I think mm. you know in that offense, Bruce Arians is smart, as we said before. Maybe he's not Sean Payton smart, but he's clearly a smart dude. I think they're going to they're going to dial something up and it's going to be, you know, hopefully, you know, Kashawn Vaughn, as we talked about a little bit, he can actually do something as the running back and they can at least have a little bit of a committee with Ronald Jones there. But we will see and hopefully it does work out. I don't know. I think their defense is going to be a lot better than it was last year. I think it'll be fresher and all those pick sixes, too. You know, as you know, the defense never touches the field in a pick six. But if you could just add seven points to the other side, doesn't help the defense in any way, shape or form. It actually kind of hurts them even more. So it's a little frustrating, but it is what it is. So we talked about Sean Vaughn a little bit. Third round. They needed a running back, obviously. Um, I mean, how is he? What what does he do that made him worthy of this third round pick, especially when I know a couple of the other guys, J.K. Dobbins came off the board in the second. Mm -hmm. Um, Jonathan Taylor came off the board in the second. Yep. Cam Akers came off the board in the second. Mm-hmm. Was I, I there think, an opportunity for them to trade up? Did you think that this was the right pick? How do you feel about this one? I don't think there was an opportunity to trade up just because they had they, they needed to add, keep adding depth to the rest of the teams. They want to keep keep giving up draft picks to find different ways to move up just to grab a running back because like we were talking about before, you can find running backs anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a matter of the fit and scheme for them. Um, but I, I, I did find something kind of funny about him. He was one of the two SEC backs last year and the year before with back-to-back thousand-yard rushing seasons. It's him and DeAndre Swift. And I, I would never utter Keishon Vaughn's name in the same words, mm-hmm. as, the same sentence as DeAndre Swift, but clearly there's some skill there. Like, he, he's a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, he's got good balance when he has hit, so he can kind of sustain his 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 momentum through blocks, um, through tackles, which is the opposite of Ronald Jones. So I think that'll kind of work out for them. Yeah, and hopefully that actually does, because again, I think if you can give that offensive line a little bit of help um, and not have to just rely on throwing for that 5,000 yards and 30 something touchdowns. I think that's going to be significantly, significantly helpful. Um, moving forward, another Minnesota guy, Tyler Johnson. Mm-hmm. That was a name again, watching a lot of big 10 football definitely heard his name come up a bunch. Yeah. I think who did you have him in our fantasy? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I he think was pretty damn row good. I had him. He was pretty damn good. Um, yep. Why, why did it take till the fifth round for him to come off the board? You know what? He he's just a he's a very solid slot receiver, and you just don't draft. And we saw the same thing with Justin Jefferson. I get that everyone was freaking out when the Eagles took Jalen Rieger over Justin Jefferson. It's because Rieger was an outside wide receiver, and Jefferson's an inside slot guy. You just yeah. don't draft those guys that that early. Um, I, I know there were some things with Tyler Johnson, like there were some maybe some character concerns, or he didn't interview as well. I mean, nothing to know because a lot of it's just rumors, so we don't exactly know the truth behind all of it, but there were some things that were said that, I mean, it was all behind closed doors. So we're not entirely sure, but um, I mean, he's a very good wide receiver past four seasons. He led all power five schools in receiving yards, red zone catches, red zone yards and red zone touchdowns. Like, wow. Perfect. I mean, he's granted, he's not going to see that amount, those many targets in Mm -hmm. the red zone this this year, because you have Gronk, you have Godwin, you have Mike Evans. So you have three uh, tree trunk trees out there that are up there that are all over six foot four, six foot five. Um, But you know what, if he's able to find different ways to get on the field and get open, I mean, he'll have a pretty good season. What does Tom Brady love the most? Plus one of the reasons receivers. (laughs) 
Yes, yeah. Plus, one of the reasons they drafted him is because Chris Godwin's going to get paid at the end of next season. So, mm-hmm. um, pending what the Buccaneers do, if they're able to to kind of finagle the cap a little bit, which we we know the cap isn't real, um, but I, I just don't find it. A, there, I, I can't I can't see there being a way that you keep Tom Brady, Mike Evans, JPP, Shaq Barrett, and Chris Godwin all on the same team. And if Gronk wants to maybe play an extra year, granted they're paying him ten million this year. They won't pay him ten million next year. It'll mm-hmm. probably be something like five. He does want to keep playing, but I, I think he's only back for this one year. We will definitely see. Um and then a couple of late round picks we have here. Khalil Davis, <laughs> defensive tackle out of Nebraska. Yep. Uh Chappelle Russell, linebacker out of Temple. Um and then Raymond Calais, I assume, yeah, yeah. Uh, running back out of Louisiana. Not, yep. ta- uh, I'm assuming not Louisiana. LSU. Yeah, not not LSU. Uh, more more of the tech side. Uh, what do you know about these three uh, later round picks for the Bucks? Yeah, I mean, you're pretty much adding depth in special teams. Khalil Davis is a guy that I kind of have my eye on, um, mainly because when I was watching Nebraska's defensive line, I was more watching Khalil Davis's twin brother Carlos, who. Khalil Davis was a physical freak in his own right, where he ran a 47540 at 308 pounds. Carlos Davis, who was 20 pounds heavier, ran a 482. So well, it, it's just kind of crazy that both brothers were there. Both are twins, and then both ended up getting drafted. I, I know Carlos got drafted in the seventh round, um, so around later than his brother. But um, Khalil, he's he's this physical freak, but he he gets pushed around a lot, a lot, which was kind of crazy for a guy that's that athletic and that big at the same time. You think that he'd be able to find a way to use his hands or use his athleticism a little bit more, but clearly he needs some coaching. So what a better place to go to than Tampa Bay. And you kind of have some time to kind of sit there and really, I don't know, learn from some great defensive line players. Um, Yeah. I mean, they have, they did bring in Dominican Sue. I mean, that's, I mean, I know he's crazy and he like doesn't practice with the team or whatever. He's kind of just like just shows up on game day, but at least you can learn what to do during the game. I think that part's pretty important too. Mm-hmm. And, and he's sitting behind Vita Via, who who plays a great nose tackle position. He's able to come in and just app, just just eat up two offensive linemen at a time. So cool. Uh, Vita Via will will show Cleo Davis mm-hmm. the right way to, How do to it. practice as well. I think that's important. <laughs> and then what about uh, Chappelle Russell, um, linebacker at a Temple? Yeah, so he's going to be an inside linebacker. I, I know yeah. that he did have ACL tears in 2016 and 2017, but you know what? He, he's been he's been find the last couple of years so maybe they were just two freak injuries that kind of just happened for him and the crazy thing is despite being an inside linebacker he's great at blitzing so mm-hmm. Todd Bowles loves to blitz his linebacker so th- I think that's kind of like a match made in heaven for him so he'll be in a, just another versatile linebacker that they'll find different ways to get on the field and that's nice and then they drafted another running back in the seventh round I, you have a cute little note here uh Bruce Arian calls him a joystick yeah he calls Sounds him a like joystick fun. in his interview um, yeah definitely sounds like fun he's a small dude 5'8 188 I mean that's mm-hmm. that's barely heavier than me granted i'm sure it's more muscle yeah than i have but still i mean he's not that much heavier than i am um i mean i mean at this point it's 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 a random flyer it's special oh, teams yeah. like what can you really be doing with some guy that drops all the way to the seventh round yeah because he, he's, he's a kickoff return guy so they're coming in they're, they're hoping i mean he adds i mean not saying mm-hmm. he's Devin hester but you're hoping that he comes in he finds different ways to, mm-hmm. to just push the ball down the field off kickoff uh maybe catch a few punts or find different ways to do that um the the weird thing with with calais and i might i mean it's kind of strange because tom bray still doesn't really have a pass catching back out of the backfield like Keishon vaughn pretty good at it not great he's more of a between the tackles kind of guy ronald jones just isn't good um but calais only caught 17 passes in his entire collegiate career and he's not good in pass protection so kind of a weird pick for them i, I almost feel like he's not gonna be the one that sticks on the on the roster they'll find an undrafted free agent that will find mm-hmm. a way to put his body on the line to do everything he can to make sure that he's on the team playing with tom brady 
Yeah, and I mean, running backs are weird, man. I think in the same draft, uh, the Seahawks took Rashad Penny with the, their first round pick, and then yeah, in the sixth or seventh round, they picked Chris Carson, and Chris Carson is clearly the much, much better running back. So you never really know what the heck you're getting out of running backs. As we saw, one went in the first round this year, but it was a very special situation with, mm-hmm. hey, if we just had a running back, how much better do you think the Chiefs could be? So that one was interesting. And then I think four went off the board in the second round. So we had Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, Thomas. I don't think I'm saying them in order. And then who else? Who's the fourth running back that came off the board in the second round? I'm forgetting somebody, but still like, oh, DeAndre Swift. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you, Justin. I appreciate you coming in. Yeah, coming in <laughs> out. Um, you caught it right before me. Right. You gotcha. Um, but I mean, like, as you like, running backs are so weird. I love Saquon. Was he worth the number two overall pick? I mean, yep. you don't really know until like five years down the road and we'll see, was it worth the number two overall pick? I love him and watching him every day or every Sunday is just brings a tear to my eye. Cause he's so incredible, but we'll see. And I mean, maybe it's the seventh round pick. That's the guy that actually pans out versus the second round pick and Ronald Jones. You really never know. I mean, I guess what, what do you think about just running backs in general, especially this year's class? You know, I think they had a pretty deep class. And I mean, considering what you're looking at towards next year with Travis Etienne and some of those guys coming out next year, there's another deep crop of running backs coming out. Um, but you know what? It's kind of weird because like outside of Cam Akers going to the Rams, all the other running backs found a spot where they're kind of already second in line. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Swift is behind Carrion Johnson. Um, so I, I'm well, not... We'll see about that one. Yes, I, I granted, I know. But, okay, but with this offseason being the way it is, it's going to be very hard for DeAndre Swift to, to surpass on Johnson right from the get-go. It's going That's to pick a few yeah. games. or mm-hmm. it, I mean, he's going to have to play every preseason game, so hopefully he stays healthy. And a lot of these guys, uh, I don't want to say it, but they're going to get hurt when they come back in because mm-hmm. they're not they're not yeah. putting their bodies out there right now and just at least kind of having those, that constant contact, which mm-hmm. their bodies kind of need to get ready and get ready into the to get into the season it's it's definitely weird and i mean you look at it they, they, a lot of the backs did come in as you said other than um cam Akers, but that's clearly going to be a split system there you know we'll see what henderson is capable of doing but i do think he'll be a little bit better than he was last year he started to come on a tiny tiny bit at the end of the year so we'll see what happens there um jk dobbins obviously behind mark ingram but I don't even know if you can say behind because I think they're going to run the ball 1 million times as they did last year. I think that's, uh, that's embarrassment of riches. We were talking about the bucks with their, um, with their wide receivers. I do think JK Dobbins, I don't know how useful he'll be in the beginning of the year, but I think towards the end of the season, yeah, towards the end of the season, I think that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And as much as I hated Ohio state again, he was so much fun to watch. I thought he'd go higher. Mm -hmm. And then Deandre Swift, as we, we talked about him a little bit, I was never a really big fan. You like him a little more than I did. And then now I'm forgetting the, oh, Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, he'll he'll, he'll, he'll surpass well. Marlon Mack, but Marlon Mack is in his contract year. So exactly. he's going to have to, he's going to have to ball out. So it's one of those things where you're bringing in most of these running backs to just say, all right, let's learn the offense. You're going to contribute, but next year is the year you're actually going to start to contribute. And you made another good point and started to jump around a little bit, but you know, all those running backs that are coming out next year, most of them should have came out this year and the the draft class would have been insane. You add Travis Etienne, you add Chuba Hubbard. Thank you for saying his name incorrectly. Like you always do. But I mean, you add both of them to this class and this class then becomes just absolutely insane. And I don't, I mean, I'm sure they have their reasons on why they wanted to stay, but another 300 touches and another 250 tackles, whatever it is without them running out of bounds like we know how running backs work now. I'm sorry. It just doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. I mean, they, they do what they got to do. I'm not here to tell them what I'm sure they're getting paid a couple bucks too, but like, I just don't get it. I don't know why they didn't all come out. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's one of those things that remains to be seen. Well, well I know one of the reasons that Chuba Hubbard went back is because he wanted his, he wanted his degree. So mm-hmm. 
I get that that was college uh, is always there. College is never I, leaving. I, I know it's. Uh, I mean, Aaron Donald just graduated from Pittsburgh. He just got finished go. getting his degree. So I mean, he's using his his quarantine time wisely. But Ray Lewis killed somebody <laughs> then went back to college. That I mean, that it just works. It happens. It is what allegedly, it is. Allegedly, allegedly, <laughs> he was there. Uh, he was there. But let's. He said uh, he blacked out. He said he blacked out the entire time. I just remember standing up over top of the guy who's screaming at him. Was already on the ground. So I'm sure. I, I'm I'm sure he was. Maybe blacked he tripped. Out. Yeah, maybe. Um, but uh, so with that, let's actually hop back to the Bucks for a second. We went off mm-hmm. on a little tangent there. Moving forward, I mean, how how did you like their draft overall um, with grabbing a couple uh, running backs, with grabbing that, I mean, one offensive lineman? That's the other weird thing. There was some, you know, depth picks they could have went with, especially mm-hmm. in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. Didn't pick anybody else up. I mean, is, is Werfs enough to make it um, for Tom Brady now worth it to play behind this offensive line? I, I would say yes, mainly because they still have Donovan Smith. Um, so Donovan Smith, for the time being, is still the left tackle. If Werfs comes in and he shows that he's that much better, they'll move him to left side. I think Donovan Smith has played right tackle in his career, so that it won't be that as as hard of a process for him to kind of switch over to that side. Either way, Werfs has played right tackle in his career at Iowa, and he also played some guard too, so you can kind of use him wherever you really need him to. Mm-hmm. Um, they they re-signed Joe Haig, who was the right tackle last year, so you have some depth at that position. Um, I mean, they drafted Ali Marpet a couple years ago. He's been pretty well. Ryan Jensen has been there, so I mean, they do need some depth picks, but when you only have eight picks there's, there's only so much that you can do with that team mm-hmm. you're just kind of hoping that you find some 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 hidden gems and and undrafted free agency or you just kind of hope that there's some guys that come available like gabe jackson right now i know the raiders are floating him around so possibly he's available for a trade and if he stands as an upgrade over one of the guys that the bucks have then mm-hmm. go for it why not give up a fifth round pick or sixth round pick for next season because tom Brady only has two years mm-hmm. exactly he's only got two years so you're gonna I, I i thought trent williams trent williams was a great spot for them and considering they the mm-hmm. I think the 49ers only gave up a third next and year a, and a fifth this fifth year. year yeah. That was very confusing why the Bucks. I mean, maybe they were in on that conversation. They just decided it wasn't worth it. But if you could cheer <laughs> up both tackle positions immediately, or even yeah. as you said, push Tristan Wirfs inside and he's going to be successful there too. I mean, that, that sounds like a pretty damn good opportunity, but you know, who knows? And that's the great thing with Bruce Arians is like he he's great at, talking to these players just from watching that all or nothing on Amazon prime. Mm-hmm. It was, it was a great look into kind of watching him as he was able to, teach these players he was talking to tyra matthew a lot and just as a man-to-man person-to-person uh, just a mm-hmm. conversation just about anything just to kind of get an insight for how they're doing their personal life how they're doing with everything that's going on in the crazy industry that is the nfl that is the nfl so how do you think this shakes out for the bucks next year bringing in tom brady bringing in gronk getting a single offensive tackle um you know maybe have an actual backup running back or a running back i mean what do you think I think the defense is better, you know, as we both agreed, because you're taking away 18 to 20 interceptions potentially. But what do you mm-hmm. think the offense looks like? Is it going to be anywhere near as potent? I I would have to say yes, because this is the most talent that Tom Brady's played with since the Randy, the Randy Moss, Moss days, really. Yeah. Like, and even still, there was mainly just Randy Moss and Wes Wilker kind of running around. Um, he didn't even have Rob Gronkowski or Aaron Hernandez at that point. So um, this is probably the most talented skill position that he's ever mm-hmm. been around. And I... I I mean, I'm just kind of worried about Byron Leftwich being the offensive coordinator. I, I almost feel like at, at a certain point, if the Buccaneers drop two of the first four games, three of the first five, something like that, I think there's, there's a good chance that they give Bruce Arians the offensive coordinator call play call back. Mm-hmm. And they, they kind of make him into the guy. They, I mean, find different ways that Tom yeah. Brady or, or Tom Brady becomes his own little coach and finds mm-hmm. different ways to, to just run the offense to the perfection or the best way that he knows how an, to, to run an offense. 
And I think, again, with this being a very weird offseason, I think it would be different if it was a normal offseason where he could go in and get all the reps with everybody that he needs to and, and kind of do his thing there. But I think if they're kind of just going to get thrown into training camp like right away with very little notice and then right into preseason, I don't think it's going to end up that well. And again, it's not like their division's easy. The Saints uh-huh. are still the, one of the best teams in the NFC hands down. I mean, it's not like they they improved, but I don't think they improved that much. Well, that's because they still had a stacked roster. So it's like there's only so much better. No, than I mean the really Bucks. Get. I don't oh, the think Bucks. the yeah, Bucks. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The mm-hmm. Bucks. I don't think improved that much. Yes. Uh, well, you know what? They're they're dropping 20 interceptions. So either way, their defense yep. got better, their offense got better, their special teams got better. Just with that little, and and then I mean, you know what? Adding a guy like Tom Brady, the leadership, the experience is just completely invaluable. So Gronk too, and Gronk. Yeah, yeah. A guy that can buy yep. into Tom Brady's culture yep. and and really kind of help groom tampa bay into what he had in new england and then so fantasy perspective i mean you know there's only there's only one ball as they like to say in basketball i mean how mike evans chris godwin rob Gronkowski, oj howard i think is pretty useless i don't i mean he's kind of in my opinion washed up cameron Brate is still pretty okay i'd say those last mm-hmm. two guys not as much as the first three what do you think it shakes out in that perspective and which running back are you potentially going to be looking at in, in uh, the draft I'm looking at Keishon Vaughn. Granted, I want to kind of see how how they do in training camp, and at, I mean, mm-hmm. kind of hear some of the things coming from from preseason. I mean, hopefully, knock on wood, we have something along those lines, so that way we can kind of look, really get a look into what kind mm-hmm. of offense they're going to be running with those running backs, and which running back really takes control of everything. Um, I mean, you know what? I didn't think there, there was a way that that Mike Evans and Chris Godwin both succeeded in an offense last year, mm-hmm. but when James Winston was just kind of chucking the ball up at times and both those guys are coming down with it. I mean, maybe it works. They both finished top 10 fantasy last year. I don't see a reason why they don't finish both top 15 this year. They'll, their stats are going to be, it, it's going to, it's going to go down. It's going to yeah. I don't know, go down just a little bit just because there's not going to be as many passing yards being thrown because they'll have the lead more. So they'll be mm-hmm. running the ball a little bit more. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I would say Tom Brady is going to finish the top 12 top 10 will i mean quarterback's getting pretty deep mm-hmm. now with fantasy so um I, I can definitely see him kind of falling into, right around that category right there um running back one of them is gonna have to step up i mean mm-hmm. i think ronald jones and, well, and peyton barber we, were like in the 40s and 50s of fantasy last year like they we just said terrible. that last year too one of them had to stand up and i had both of them at one point and would just play the wrong one consistently so i think i just dropped them both because they even if i played the right one it was like 16 points anyway so it wasn't even that worth it but um how do you so so Tom Brady? What do you actually think happens in the division? How do you think mm-hmm. the division shakes out? We get that extra playoff seat, so I think that I think that will make it a lot easier for the Bucks to get into the playoffs. But I mean, how do you feel about the division? I think their win totals at nine and a half right now. The Buccaneers, mm-hmm. the Saints, I think is ten and a half. Like, how do you feel like that's going to shake out? I still don't think the Falcons are going to be that great. I still don't think the Panthers are going to be that great. But I think it's up to them too. I would take the over on both those mainly because they have experienced quarterbacks and they have experienced coaching staffs. So they're already coming into the season and they're going to have a plan that's much better than some of the like Matt rule would um, just because he's being a rookie head coach in the NFL. So like, obviously he doesn't know exactly everything that needs to be done at the time they need to be done. So when you have a guy with the experience like Bruce Arians and Sean Payton, they know exactly how to get their players ready in the minimal amount of time for them to get ready. So I, 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 I still, I would still put the saints to win the division but the Bucks are obviously nipping at the heels of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I think they both make the playoffs. Um, kind of curious to see how it shakes out from there. But there's always there's always a team that comes out of nowhere. The NFC is relatively wide open in terms of there's a lot at the top and a little bit at the bottom. So we'll kind of just see what happens. Does Aaron Rodgers just get angry enough that he doesn't play anymore? I don't know. 
I don't know. We'll have to find out New England. Yeah. We'll, we'll see about that. But uh, Justin, this was awesome. We did Mm -hmm. the entire AFC South a little bit longer than the other ones, but it was a lot of fun. We have two legitimate teams and a lot of question marks and mystery. So this was a lot of fun. I am Michael Raziel. That is Justin Raziel cousins, not brothers. Appreciate everyone's time. Uh, Justin, where could everyone find you on the internet? Yep. At J Razzle 81, just like the candy, just like the candy, because people know what that is. Awesome. Thanks everybody. Come on. (laughs) 